Good morning, and welcome back to part three of Jim Crow. Lynchings were public, often sadistic murders carried out by mobs. Between 1882, when the first reliable data were collected, and 1968, when lynchings had become rare, there were 4,730 known lynchings. It's a key word there, known lynchings. Including 3,440 black men and women. Most of the victims of the lynch law were hanged or shot, but some were burned at the stake, castrated, beaten with clubs, or dismembered. In the mid-1800s, whites constituted the majority of victims and perpetrators. However, the period of radical reconstruction, blacks became the most frequent lynching victims. This is in an early indication that lynching was used as an intimidation tool to keep blacks in this case, the newly freed people, in their places. The great majority of lynchings occurred in southern and border states, where the resentment against blacks ran deepest. According to the social economist Gunnar Myrdal from 1994, the southern states account for nine-tenths of the lynchings. More than two-thirds of the remaining one-tenth occurred in the six states which immediately bordered the south. Many whites claimed that although lynchings were distasteful, they were necessary supplements to the criminal justice system because blacks were prone to violent crimes, especially the rapes of white women. Arthur Raper, <laughs> funny name, investigated nearly a century of lynchings and concluded that approximately one-third of all the victims were falsely accused. What a shock. Under Jim Crow, any and all sexual interactions between black men and white women was illegal, illicit, socially repugnant, and within the Jim Crow definition of rape. Although only 19.2% of the lynching victims between 1882 until 1951 were even accused of rape, lynch law was often supported on the popular belief that lynchings were necessary to protect white women from black rapists. Murdahl refutes this belief in this way. There is much reason to believe that this figure of 19.2 has been inflated by the fact that a mob which makes the accusation of rape is secure from any further investigation by the broad southern definition of rape to include all sexual relations between Negro men and white women and by the psychopathic fears of white women in their contacts with Negro men. Most blacks were lynched for demanding civil rights violating Jim Crow etiquette laws or the aftermath of race riots. Lynchings were almost common in small and middle-sized towns where blacks were often economic competitors to the local whites. These whites resented any economic and political gains made by blacks. Lynchers were seldomly arrested and if arrested, rarely convicted. More like almost never. And it estimates that at least one half of the lynchings were carried out with police officers, yes, police officers, what a shock, participating, and that in nine-tenths of the others, the officers either condone or wink at the mob action. Lynching served many purposes. It was cheap entertainment. Yes, that's what they call it, cheap entertainment. It served as a, rally, a rallying, uniting point for whites. It, func it functioned as an ego massage for low-income, low-status whites. It was a method of defending white domination and helped stop or retard the fledgling 
social equality movement. Lynch mobs directed their hatred against one or several victims. The victim was an example of what happened to a black man who tried to vote or who looked at a white woman or who tried to get a white man's job. Unfortunately for blacks, sometimes the mob was not satisfied to murder a single or several victims. Instead, in the spirit of pogroms, the mobs went into black communities and, de and destroyed additional lives and property. Their immediate goal was to drive out through death or expulsion all blacks. The larger goal was to maintain at all costs white supremacy. Unbelievable. These pogrom-like actions are often referred to as riots. However, Gunnar Myrdal was right when he described these riots as a terrorization or massacre, a mass lynching. Interestingly, these mass lynchings were primarily urban phenomena, whereas the lynching of single victims was primarily a rural phenomena. James Weldon Johnson, the famous black writer, labeled 1919 as Red Summer. It was read from racial tension. It was read from bloodletting. During the summer of 1919, there were race riots in Chicago, Illinois, in Chicago, Knoxville, Nashville, Charleston, Omaha, and two dozen other cities. W.E.B. E. Du Bois, the black social scientist and civil rights activist, wrote, and I quote, During that year, 77 Negroes were lynched, of whom one was a woman and 11 were soldiers. Of these, 14 were publicly burned. 11 of them being burned alive. That year, there were race riots, large and small, in 26 American cities, including 38 killed in a Chicago riot of August, from 25 to 50 in Phillips County, Arkansas, and six killed in Washington. The riots of 1919 were not the first or last mass lynchings of blacks, as evidenced by the race riots in Wilmington, North Carolina of 1898, Atlanta, Georgia of 1906, Springfield, Illinois of 1908, East St. Louis, Illinois of 1917, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1921, and Detroit, Michigan, 1943. Joseph Boskin, author of Urban Racial Violence in 1976, claimed that the riots of the 1900s had the following traits. One, each of the race riots, with few exceptions, it was white people that sparked the incident by attacking black people. Number two, the majority of the riots some extraordinarily social condition prevailed at the time of the riot. Pre-war social changes, wartime mobility, post-war adjustment, or economic depression. Number three, the majority of the riots occurred during the hot summer months. Number four, rumor played an extremely important role in causing many riots. Rumors of some criminal activity by blacks against whites perpetuated the actions of the white mobs. Number five, the police force, more than any other institution, was invariably involved as a precipitating cause or perpetuating factor in the riots. In almost every one of the riots, the police sided with the attackers, either by actually participating, participating in, or by failing to quell the attack. Number six, in almost every instance, the fighting occurred within the black community. Boskin omitted the following. The mass media, especially newspapers, often published inflammatory articles about quote, end quote, black criminals immediately after the immediately before the riots. Blacks were not only killed, but their homes and businesses were looted and many who did not flee were left homeless. And the goal of the white rioters, as was true of the white lynchers of, of single victims, was to instill fear and terror into blacks, thereby 
buttressing white domination. The Jim Crow hierarchy could not work without violence being used against those on the bottom rung. George Fredrickson, a 1971 historian, stated in his way, and I quote, lynching represented a way of using fear and terror to fear and terror to check dangerous tendencies in a black community considered to be ineffectively regimented or supervised as such is constituted a confession that the regular institutions of a segregated society provided an inadequate measure of day-to-day control many blacks resisted the indignities of jim crow and far too often they paid for their bravery with their lives. Stay tuned for the conclusion of Jim Crow. Ebony Contrarian, out for now.